guys, welcome back to the Center Point Podcast. This is part four with Kim Class, the author of One More Day, a powerful true story of suicide, loss, and a woman's newfound faith. Kim, it's clear from reading your book that you are a passionate voice for others. Mm. I, want to, I want to now give you the platform to speak freely about anything that you would desire, whether that's grief, the stigma of suicide, mental illness, whatever it is you would like to leave us with now. Sure. Um, there were a couple of stories that I wanted to share. Um, that have stuck with me over the past few years and that I probably won't forget. Um, there was a day back in October 2015, um, it was probably around the 27th or something, I think it was a Wednesday, and my daughter and I went to um, Walmart to try to find her a um, mask. She needed a blank mask in order to design her Halloween costume. And we walked in, and everybody was there that day looking for costumes and candy and, you know, being so close to Halloween. It was a little bit crazy. It was busy, and there's, and I'm not really good with, I mean, I'm fine with crowds, but I just prefer not to be around them. Um, and so um, we didn't find what she needed, but we found, you know, some other items that I thought we needed for the house and, um, and whatever. So we went to the self-checkout, and it came out to, like, $50.00. And I snapped, and something inside me just absolutely snapped, and I could feel this change in my body, and I knew something was wrong because, I mean, as a single mom, you know, you don't want to waste money, but then sometimes fifty dollars unexpected comes up, and you're like, whoa, you know, okay, we'll have to we'll have to watch, you know, what we spend here and there down the road, but it was more than that. It was something in me just shifted in my body and I was like whoa and my daughter was like are you okay and I'm like I'm fine just don't talk to me just leave me alone and then I'm thinking what is wrong with you why are you telling your daughter this and um, I uh, we I paid for the purchases we were walking out to the car and I said to her I said I can't believe how that affected me and she's like are you okay and I'm like I'm fine I said I just can't believe how that affected me I said I feel so angry and um, we went to Michael's to try to find her mask, and she tried taking my hand in the parking lot as we were walking up, and I said, don't. And I'm like, what's wrong with you? Like, saying to myself, what's wrong with you? And um, so we walked into Michael's, and she went her way, I went my way, and I found a clearance bin, and I was like, I'm gonna get this, I'm gonna get this, because this is gonna make me feel better, and snap me out of whatever's going on, and um, she found what she needed, we made our purchases, and we went home, and uh, poured a glass of wine, and, and I was like, I need to get this under control. Like, what? But it just, it just hit me really hard. And that same day, um, I learned later, my sister went to her best friend's house to just kind of hang out, watch a movie, and um, they like to cuddle. They've been best friends since they were in middle school, I think, and they like to cuddle and just playing with her hair and. Um, just being close to her best friend. And on that same day, my girlfriend here locally, um, Barb, sent me a text message saying, I have something for you, when can I get it to you? And I said, can you give it to me in church? And she's like, no, I, I can't give it to you in church. Um, it has to be before or after. I was like, fine, I'll get, I'll get with you um, about that later. Well, for two or three days, I couldn't shake that feeling in, inside me. And I literally had to be careful what I said to people because every time I said something 
it was rude and it was snappy and um and it was disrespectful to people i'm like what's wrong with me like i can't even talk without being rude to people and I text messaged um, a friend of mine who's in a running group that I belonged to back then. And, um, and I said, I don't know if I can join you guys tomorrow morning. Something's going on. And I'm just kind of fearful in how I'm going to treat you guys in the morning because I'm just on really on edge right now. And he's like, don't worry about it. He's like, come out with us. And, um, and if, anything develops he goes I'll step in and you stay quiet or whatever and whatever he said got me out there I was like okay that's okay that's fine I'll take your word for it so I got out there and I met with a, a group of guys and I met with them someone said something in the first mile I snapped and I said something rude not rude in return but I just kind of snapped in return and he kind of looked at me I'm like oh, I don't know I'm acting like this and I didn't speak we ran 13 miles that morning I didn't speak the rest of the time I just let the guys talk because I knew if I said anything um, that it would be rude mm -hmm. and um, the next so when I got home from the run my daughter was home and I was adamant that I was gonna make it a good day and I was like today's gonna be a good day I said I'm gonna snap out of this somehow um, or if I can't snap out of it I'm gonna try really hard not to be rude to people and so I made a big breakfast for me and my daughter and um, this is on a Saturday and um, and she sat on one couch and I sat on another. We had football, Saturday morning football, you know, starting already football games. And, and out of nowhere, I mean, just as quickly as it hit me that Wednesday or Thursday before, it released. And I could feel it, like, releasing from my body, whatever it was that had a hold on me. And I've never experienced that before, and I have not experienced it since. And so I was like, and I'm kind of looking around the room like, does my daughter notice what's going on right now? Like this anger has just lifted out of my body. And um, so I was like, okay, well that's, that's good. That's a good thing. And so I took her to her, she had a sleepover that night and it was an early drop off like at two o'clock and I, uh, I said goodbye to her. And I text my girlfriend, Barb, who had something for me. And I said, it's Saturday, you know, do you have time for me to stop by and pick up whatever it is you have? She's like, I'm going to take a nap. Do you mind if I take a nap and get back with you when I wake up? And I was like, that's fine. I've got things to do. And so um, a couple hours passed by, and I texted her again. And I said, um, do you have time for me to stop by? I'm about to pass by your house. She's like, I just woke up. Stop by whenever you can. So I was literally like 400 yards from turning into her street. So I went to her house. And, um, and we... She, it was a bottle of wine that someone had given to her to give to me for some breast cancer coverage I had done that month, it being October. And I was like, well, that was nice. And so we were sharing some chips and dips, and we were talking about um, the flooding in Texas, which had been taking place that, that month was really bad. The flooding was bad in San Antonio area where my dad lived. And um, so we were just talking about him, and my phone rang, and my dad called. And um, I was like, hey, I was like, we were just talking about you. How's the flooding in Texas? You know, what's going on? And he's like, I've got some bad news to share with you. And then he told me about my sister. And so um, I just, you know, for, I didn't remember it, like, for about two or three weeks. But then I couldn't help shaking off the feeling that all that anger that I had felt inside of me had something to do with my sister and that the release was when 
she was released from her pain. I have no other way to explain that, um, but I wanted to share it because I don't know if anyone else had ever gone through something like that before who's listening or watching, but I, I just, I just had to put those two things together. And um, there was no other, I mean, it was just too much of a coincidence that she was at her best friend's house. And I feel that she knew that day that um, what, what her plans were. And, um, and maybe somehow that affected me. I don't know. And how that release happened on the morning that she died, I don't know. Um, but I've always felt that connection there. Um, and I never really understood um, you know, the depths of her depression until um, it was about 15 months later when um, a girlfriend of hers texted me and said, do you have time to talk? And it was like 10 o'clock at night and I'm usually asleep by 10. So I figured if she was texting me at 10, then she needed to talk. And I was like, that's fine. And so I, she called me and um, she had been at a bar um, talking to someone about my sister and she was talking about how hurtful she was that other people felt that she knew her better than her and I think um, she was just missing my sister and we cried a little bit on the phone and um, and we talked a little bit longer and we hung up and and I woke up the next morning and I cried again in the shower and then I had a an appointment at the doctor's and I cried on my way there I'm like what's wrong with you <laughs> and um, and then for two weeks, every single day, I was crying. And um, so I was like, well, I guess it's time to go talk to someone. Maybe I'm finally like dealing with something here. And so um, I met with a therapist who, the one who had me write the gratitude journal. And, um, and the deeper my depression became, the more I started understanding what my sister had gone through and um, and before I was put on the right type of medication to help it um, there were some dark moments where I in my own way understood a little bit about where she must have been I'll never understand completely where she was because um, I'm not her but I did understand how dark a place can be um, you know, letting my mind wander where it shouldn't have wandered um, mentally. And, um, but it just, it helped me understand what she faced with her suicidal ideations and my own, um, you know, during this dark period. And, uh, and, you know, through the grace of God, I've gotten through that. Um, and I prayed a lot through it uh, to get me through. Um, but it just, it helped me understand a lot more. I don't want anyone to have to go through that in order to understand. But, um, but I think it just kind of really woke me up to others needing to understand that they need to be there for people who are hurting. And it's not just depression. It's, you know, bipolar disorder. It's, it's you know, people who deal with schizophrenia, depression, and um, any other mental illness. Um, because we have learned in our family that it does not judge. It doesn't care who you are. 
It doesn't care how old you are. It doesn't care if you're male or female. It doesn't care what profession you have. It doesn't care if you went to college. It doesn't care um, about anything. And people need to show um, a little bit more compassion towards those who are going through something and really listening to them um, in their time of need, I guess, and not just brushing it off as you're just sad. Because when I went through my depression, um, it was hard to talk about, but I knew I had to. So I had to talk to my husband about it. I had to talk to a couple of girlfriends about it. It took a long time before I would speak to my bosses about it because it got to a point where I felt it was affecting my work because it took me, it was so hard to focus um, that I needed some time off and so I had to talk to them about taking a leave of absence from work, which I did, I took 10 weeks off um, to try to just regain myself mentally and get some medications working and, and so forth. And so that helped, but we need to, um, I say all this, and the first story I told I thought was just an interesting story, the connection I felt with my sister. Um, but sharing my own depression, um, I just, we really need to come together to erase the stigma that's attached to mental illness and mental health and suicide and depression and let people know that it's okay to talk about. It's okay that you're not okay. And I had a girlfriend tell me that when I told her I was taking time off work to deal with my own depression. And she sent me a text and she goes, honey, it's okay to not be, it's okay that you're not okay. It's okay. And I'm like, and it just made me cry more. But, um, but it made me feel good that someone said that. And it sounds so cliche. It's okay to not be okay. But it is. And I had to learn that. And other people have had to learn that. And um, people just need to, they need to understand that. And it's okay to talk about. It's okay to seek help. It's okay to go to therapy. It's okay. Um, you know, to cry out to God even when you don't understand anything. Um, it's, okay to, it's okay to question things. It's okay to seek answers. And um, so I just, you know, I think it's important for people to just listen to, to other people and to hold them and to hold their hand and to hug them and, and let them know that they're there for them and even if, you know, the answers aren't always there. So... Kim, thank you for being here today. For those who listen to the podcast or watch the podcast or read your book, if they would like to contact you, how can they do that? Through the, they can contact me through the church um, or they can find me online. Um, on my website is kimclass.com, K-Y-M-K-L-A-S-S.com. What can they find your book? My book can be found on Amazon and Books A Million and Barnes & Noble websites. And again, that book is One More Day, a powerful true story of suicide, loss, and a woman's newfound faith. Kim, appreciate you. Thank you. Thank you all for listening.